Hello and welcome to one of my first nutrition webinars. So I asked you guys recently to give me your big kind of barriers when it comes to nourishing your awesome body better. And you guys didn't disappoint, but I thought I would be able to approach all of the questions in one webinar. And actually, I think I'm just going to speak to you for about 40 minutes, just about protein. And every week I'm going to come in with a different webinar, hopefully tackling something that you guys are struggling with at the moment. But something that always happens, particularly in the first week of the reset, is that people do struggle to get enough protein into their diet. So I'm going to chat to you today about just take home tips of how you can make sure that you are getting enough protein, because protein is quite magic. When I start working with people, they very rarely have been thinking about how much protein they have been eating, and they more than likely have been thinking about how they can eat less, so how they can restrict foods, what foods they probably need to ban, probably have demonized some foods as being the reason that they can't live in a body composition that feels better for them. And so frequently, protein is the missing link. So if you're listening to this and you do have a goal to live in a leaner body, to feel stronger, just to feel like you have more stable blood sugars, to feel like you're not crashing in the mid-afternoon, um, then I think this um, little webinar is going to be for you. I'm going to be sharing these uh, little PDF infographics with you after this webinar. So again, you can be listening, you can be reading, and I've popped in some really, really useful links for you guys to check out. <clears throat> the first one is a protein podcast because I do love to chat about protein. And this just really dives into why we should be getting much more interested about how we can support our body to build muscle than we really should be about being very interested in living in the smallest body possible. So if you think five years in the future from now, your body isn't going to be as good as laying down lean metabolic muscle as it is today, you know, stretch that sort of 10, 20 years into the future, your body's going to be even worse at being able to lay down lean metabolic muscle. So we should really be thinking about building plates of food and nourishing our incredible bodies to optimize our ability to put on some muscle. And this isn't going to make you suddenly look like you are entering a bodybuilding competition. It's going to be moving you into this kind of more toned physique, which I think women often use this word like tone. And what tone means is that you are trying to build muscle. You will not. It will be completely impossible for you to build excessive amounts of muscle. If it were that easy, uh, there'll be a lot of men walking around the world much happier, living in much more muscular bodies than they do. And they have a far higher level of testosterone. So do not worry that by lifting heavier weights and feeding your body, you know, the correct amount of protein that you're suddenly going to build a huge amount of muscle. It just won't happen. Um, so there is a link here for this protein podcast, which really just drives home that message that muscle is like your body's armor. And when you get older, I can't quite remember the stat, but the mortality rates for women that have a fall and experience something like a fractured hip, your mortality rates are so much higher than um, the mortality rates associated with cancer. But we really worry about obviously getting cancer, but we're maybe not worrying about things like falls, which we can future-proof ourselves against. Because if you imagine a frame 
So on your frame, you've got quite a lot of muscle. When you fall, you have body armor. If you think about maybe um, an older person who doesn't have much muscle mass is maybe very frail when they fall they'll be cracking a bone so obviously there's the idea that muscle is going to create this armor but also this idea that if you get resistance training in now you're also going to improve your bone density so everything that you are going to be doing if you're working with me is going to be future proofing you against the likelihood of experiencing a serious hopefully like fracture or um, experiencing significant injury from a fall, because we know having a fall when you're older is significantly correlated um, with an increase in mortality, which nobody wants because we want to hang around as long as we can, living in bodies that feel as wonderful as they can. So there's also here a link to the protein tutorial. This really goes through how to look at a nutrition label and how to understand how much protein exists in the food you're about to eat. And you literally have a little look at any nutrition label. You see how much protein exists per 100 grams of that food that you would be eating. So for example, what do I have near me today? Oh, I've got some roll mops. So for example, if I ate 100 grams of these delicious little IKEA roll mops, I would be getting 10 grams of protein. So I know that if I had 200 grams of raw mops, I'll be hitting my 20 grams of protein. So it's, I think sometimes there's a misunderstanding that if you're eating 150 grams of chicken, that's 150 grams of protein, but that's not how it works. Obviously existing in that chicken breast, it are other things existing, not just protein. There's going to be some fat in there. Obviously there's some water weight. So you really need to find out what protein exists in the food you're about to eat per 100 grams, and then work out what a portion size of that is. And there is a little note here for most of you guys that I'm working with, we're over the age of 35, which means we are on this kind of downward slope. We become much less sensitive to protein. So if you think about a child, if they eat like five or 10 grams of protein, their bodies are massively anabolic and their bodies are going to use that tiny little bit of protein and they're going to build that child some amazing muscle because they're in that very anabolic growth stage. As soon as you're around sort of 30, 35, unfortunately, you become less and less sensitive to things like protein existing in your diet and <clears throat> you're losing muscle. So year upon year upon year, you're going to be losing lean muscle mass, which is why I think when we hit things like our mid 40s, we suddenly feel like we can't get away with it anymore. Maybe we can't out train our kind of diet that's a little bit lacking and that really well one of the reasons as well as kind of hormonal influences is the fact that you probably have a lot less lean muscle mass on your body so this isn't inevitable this doesn't have to be the way it's going to go and we don't have to accept it but we do need to do three things to make sure that we're maintaining our muscle. One is to feed it adequate amounts of protein. Another one is to make sure that we are giving it a stimulus. So obviously training. And the next one is to make sure that we're resting so we can actually recover and build our walls of muscle, which is super, super important. But just again, knowing that you need to have more protein and you need to be making sure that year upon year, you're putting more uh, resistance through those muscles and you're not just kind of picking up the same set of weights kind of year upon year. You're wanting to see a gradual shift up. So the stimulus is actually increasing.
because you're going to be less sensitive. So hopefully this has got your um, interest peaked. Another phenomenal thing about protein. And when you do, so if you're still a little bit dubious, what I want you to do is hit your protein for a week and just get curious, just start to notice how you feel after you've had these meals where you really had a focus on meeting your protein threshold because protein takes up. So it has the same amount of calories in it per gram as carbohydrates, but it actually takes a lot more energy for your body to process and digest protein than it does for your body to digest fats or carbs. So carbs, it does take a little bit of energy. Fat, it takes like literally zero energy for your body to actually convert that to energy. But protein, it has to work quite hard. So that does mean that you're going to, if you've got quite a protein rich diet, you're going to feel like you can maybe eat a higher quantity of food, but actually your body, the thermogenic effect of that food means your body's having to work quite a bit harder to actually process the food itself. And the other great thing about that is it means you're going to be feeling fuller for longer. So when you have a very carb-based meal, the body finds it quite easy to digest. The same with fat. So you're digesting these foods pretty quickly. So you might find that you kind of get that slump in the afternoon. However, if you have made sure that you've got adequate amount of protein in that meal, it's going to uh, be much more likely that your blood sugars are stable for longer and that you're not going to have that kind of slump, that kind of sugar slump mid-afternoon and kind of go rummaging around for biscuits. And if you don't believe me, this is why you have to try it. And then we're going to talk about the fact there needs to be enough protein. And I don't think people know this, and I think this might be news to quite a few of you. So you need to hit a protein threshold to actually kind of kick your body into gear to start laying down some lean muscle mass. So if you have like 10 grams, you're not gonna hit that threshold. If you have 15 grams, it's very unlikely you're gonna hit that threshold. And when I heard this doctor talk about kind of hitting your protein thresholds, um, she was saying it's a bit like you're either pregnant or you're not pregnant. So you either hit the threshold or you don't hit the threshold. And what happens when you hit the threshold is you spark off this muscle protein synthesis and you give your body um, the signal required to build some muscle. And for most people, that's going to be somewhere between kind of ideally definitely above 20 grams, probably more um, on the upper end of sort of 25, 30 grams in one kind of meal sitting. So just starting to think about that because there's probably protein existing in your meal already, but what I want you to start sort of getting curious about and doing a bit of detective work is, is there actually enough for you to hit your threshold? And you're going to be most sensitive to protein at breakfast as you're in a fasted state. So your body's just going to be much more receptive to it. So we know as we get older, we get less sensitive to the protein that exists in our diet. But if we are fasted, our body's going to be much more aware that it's suddenly there again. But I would say that breakfast is the one meal when I start working with women that's probably the hardest to make sure that you're getting these um, winning protein threshold levels in. So do check out the recipe book. 
Um, do check out some of the ideas that I've already given you and then just start looking at the shopping list and think, actually, what protein sources do I enjoy? Could I have them at breakfast time? Because I think, again, particularly in sort of um, our culture, we have this idea that starting the day with like cereals or muesli and orange juice or, you know, a croissant, they, these are breakfast foods. The problem with these foods, there, there's no problem with these foods. But for your blood sugar level, for your ability to hit protein, it's not going to happen if you're eating these very um, carbohydrate based cereals. So you're going to be getting a lot of glucose, so sort of spiking your blood sugars and your blood sugars are going to soar. But if you're not pairing them with a decent amount of Greek yogurt, and I suppose for a decent amount of Greek yogurt to hit your protein threshold, you're going to be looking at like 200 grams um, then you are going to obviously just be getting this big blood sugar spike. Because when you pair protein and or fat with your carb source, you are going to be able to dampen that blood sugar response. And the more we're starting to know about kind of inflammation in the body, we know that we want to minimize these blood sugar spikes. And we definitely want to be looking at keeping our blood sugar quite steady throughout the day, rather than these massive like peaks and troughs. So the best way to do that is to have a look at your meals, use obviously the plate method and get the right volume of protein in. And then this is just a little word to the fact that all proteins are not created equally. And there's a big movement with plant-based eating. I think it's fantastic. It's phenomenal. I do want you, if you are plant-based, vegan, vegetarian, to have a listen to this podcast. And I've popped the link here. So you can literally press on that and it's going to take you there because it is a whole other webinar on um, being plant-based and the type of nutrients that you might struggle to meet if you aren't supplementing. So I want you to take some time to listen to that. But the other macronutrient that you're probably struggling to hit if you are particularly vegan and you don't take dairy products um, is going to be protein. And the problem also can be that in lots of plant-based proteins, because plants do have protein in them, but they um, often are incomplete proteins. They don't have the complete amino acid profiles. There are some essential amino acids that our body cannot make. So we have to give it the building blocks to make it. And in most plant-based proteins, these proteins are incomplete. So they don't have all of the essential amino acids existing in just one of the plant products. So you do have to start um, making sure that you are getting the different spectrum, if you like, of amino acids by pairing your plant-based proteins. But the other thing with plant-based proteins is they're not as bioavailable. So your body isn't able to synthesize them as easily. So you often have to overshoot protein targets. So if I said that 25 grams was your protein threshold, if you were getting that from pairing different plant-based sources, you might need to kind of overshoot that and be aiming for more like 30, 35 to really make sure that you're still hitting that threshold. And this can be tricky and this will become more apparent when I start going through the sources of protein. To hit protein purely through food-based products, the volume of um, product that you'll need to eat is going to be so much greater. So if you're trying to hit your protein with quinoa, you'll probably be eating you know, hundreds and hundreds of calories worth of quinoa to get the right quantity of protein in. So you just have to 
have some knowledge about what protein sources exist that you enjoy that do um, obviously agree with the, the style of eating that you've chosen and then know how you can build quite a protein heavy plate still knowing um, what impact that's going to have because it can be very tricky particularly if you've got a body composition goal and purely this I'm not talking about the environmental reasons or the emotional reasons where you may have chosen to be plant-based but it is super tricky if we just take it down to body composition for you to be in like a gentle energy deficit so like a calorie deficit whilst eating the volume of plant food you're going to need to eat to get in the adequate amounts of protein which is why i would say particularly if you're feeling a bit uncomfy in your body and you are plant-based do give yourself a break and do find yourself a really delicious plant-based protein powder that you enjoy. And it's just going to make life so much easier for you to just to start to hit your protein without needing to eat such a high quantity of food that you're just feeling extraordinarily or uncomfortably full. So that's my little word of advice, but do check out these other uh, couple of references here as well for more information. Let's see if I can also move this on. Fantastic. So a little bit more just as well. When I talked about pairing of proteins, if you have got plant-based proteins, you do want to combine them to make sure that you're getting that complete amino acid profile. And it doesn't mean you have to combine them in the same meal, although that can be quite handy. So looking at things like um, having nuts and um I'm just having a little look here. Oh, I think I'm going to have to just move it on. So yeah, nuts or seeds, you'd want them with a whole grain. So like peanut butter and whole wheat toast, that isn't going to hit a protein threshold, but it is going to give you a complete array of those essential amino acids or whole grains um, with beans or beans with nuts or seeds. So when you make these magic pairings, because I don't know, plants are so incredible, it will give you that same essential amino acid profile that you need to create a complete protein, but you just have to combine those sources. Just gonna quickly go, oh, I'm not sure if I can even go back on this like little fancy screen of mine, let's check. Yes, I do believe I can. Fantastic. <clears throat> so I don't want to miss anything. So this is actually the second time I've done this because last time I forgot to press record. Um, but I really don't want you to overthink protein. If you really aren't aware about protein at the moment, a nudge in the right direction is going to be game changing for you. And then what can happen is once you've got that little nudge, once you're even mindful and once you're starting to look for the protein, you can then build from there. And sometimes the easiest way to do it is look to see what protein source you've already got existing in your meal and then just eat a larger uh, portion of it. Because in uh, particularly when I start working with women, because I don't want to overwhelm you, I'll set you. I would feel this is a quite realistic target of around 70 to 100 grams of protein each day. So although I'm not massively into people tracking, I do quite like you just to keep an eye on where your protein levels are until you can start eyeballing it, until you kind of know. Um, and again, I've got some amazing infographics to share with you in a second. And I would say the easiest way to think about splitting your protein is trying to hit like 20 to 30 grams, like three to four times a day. So for me, I tend to do breakfast, lunch, snack and dinner. And again, I find for me and again, this is personal. So you do need to go on this journey yourself that that hits my slumps. So I kind of avoid them by having the, the timing of meals that I have. I definitely find that having that 4 p.m. 
high protein snack makes dinner time so much easier because I'm not going in absolutely ravenous. And when you're not absolutely ravenous, so much easier to make choices that line up with the goal you've chosen. Um, and this is a little thing I like you guys to have a think about. So when you're thinking about meals, so prepping or thinking about what meals you're going to have the next day, I want you to ask yourself, what protein am I having for breakfast? What protein am I having for lunch? What protein shall I have as my snack? And what protein shall I have for dinner? And then I'm going to move through this one. So here are some plant-based complete proteins. So there are some incredible plant-based proteins that actually do have all of the essential amino acids. And they are things like tofu, tempeh, quinoa, edamame, buckwheat, amaranth, which is a grain that I haven't yet tried, but I'm planning on it, and chia seeds and nutritional yeast. Again, the quantity of protein existing in these foods isn't going to be as high. It's not comparable to have like the same quantity of quinoa as like a chicken breast. They're not comparable. You're always going to get more protein existing in those animal-based sources than you would in the plant-based one. But they do both have, um, they are both complete proteins, which is fantastic. Um, and I have popped a little link here, actually, to some high protein meal inspiration. So I know lots of you guys were asking um, for recipe ideas and good old BBC Foods uh, has a link right there. So here is my infographic. I spent ages on this because actually it's quite tricky to know how to get enough protein in. So I thought I would go to town on Canva and give you some infographics. So just to give you a little notion, and I think this kind of really drives home why it might be harder if you're just going for plant-based sources without um, supplementing with a protein powder, that this next slight little journey for you and trying to up your protein levels might be tricky. So if you think about the, an average size chicken breast, you're gonna be thinking about 30 grams of protein for that. If you've got 100 grams of prawns, it's 25 grams of protein. If you've got 100 uh, grams of lean 5% mince, it's around 14 grams of protein. A tin of tuna is awesome at 28 grams. Salmon fillet, 25 grams of protein. And there's seven grams of protein in an egg. And I, I can always remember this. And something I don't think everybody knows is it's the white of the egg that contains the protein. The yolk is actually containing the fats. So if you're wanting a real easy way to up your protein and you eat eggs, just add a couple of extra egg whites. If you go to Tesco and Sainsbury's, they even have cartons that just contain egg whites. So you can add additional egg whites to your omelets. Definitely get a couple of the yolks in too, because fat is where the flavor is. But if you are making a frittata, if you are making anything that you know requires eggs, you can just splash in a bit of extra egg white because there's not very many calories in an egg white. It's about 17 calories. You're going to get seven grams of protein. So it's absolutely massive. I know you guys probably already know this, but I love um, low fat Greek yogurt. The lower the fat content of the Greek yogurt, the higher the protein. There is definitely a space in your fridge for all sorts of fat levels of Greek yogurt. Sometimes I have zero, 5% and 10% in my fridge because it's really important for hormonal health to get some um, higher fat uh, dairy products into your diet. 
However, you will notice if you start looking at per 100 grams, there's going to be more protein existing in the lower fat options. I find personally 5% is the sweet spot. But again, you need to find out these things for yourself. Things like cottage cheese are super high. So 200 grams is around 24 grams of protein. Cork, so again, like quite a good like dessert idea. Um, for 115 gram tub, you can have about 12 grams of protein. Cheese is obviously counted more as a fat, but protein is existing in it as well. So 30 grams, so like probably like a matchbox size, it's around seven grams of protein. But again, just kind of scaling it up. If you were going to try and hit protein through cheese, we well, you may know, but fat has the most calories per gram. So you're going to have to eat an awful lot of energy to hit your protein through a fat source. Same with things like peanut butter, which is why when it comes to things like cheese or hummus or peanut butter, I want you to be really thinking about the fact that they're primarily a fat source. And yes, they have some protein and that's a fantastic like added extra, but you're not gonna want to get your big quantity of protein from these foods. Going into plant-based proteins. So if you have, there are some high hitters and tofu is definitely one of them. So if you have 150 grams of tofu, you're going to get 9.5 grams of protein. Edamame, if you have 100 grams, you can find them in Tesco now, shelled for you already. Really good source of proteins, about 14.5 grams. And 50 grams of quinoa is about eight grams. So if you just start to imagine that you're making this incredible Buddha bowl, you know, you might have some quinoa in there. Maybe you've got like loads of edamame in there. Maybe you have roasted some tofu croutons and it's the combination that is going to get you hitting your protein threshold. You don't just need to eat like a ridiculous amount of tofu, but it's pulling all of the different sources, building these amazing nutritious bowls of food and thinking, okay, I'm going to get a bit of protein from there, a bit of protein from there, a bit of protein from there. And combined, it's going to help you hit your threshold. So very rarely, unless you're eating a piece of meat, are you going to find that the quantity of protein you're looking for exists in a single food source. But we also very rarely just eat one thing. Often we are pulling in additional things, particularly now you're all eating plate method style. Most half cans of things like lentils and pulses are around eight grams. I would say, again, you have to think about kind of your tummy's response. If you decided to eat kind of like two whole cans of lentils and pulses, like you're likely to experience some gastric distress. So this is, again, while you're probably going to be mixing your lentils with a bit of like stir fried tofu, maybe, etc. Again, to build the quantity of protein that you need. Most beans, again, half a can is going to be about nine grams. If you go for oats, from a blood sugar point of view, going for the ones that are as least processed as possible is going to stop this kind of spike. I think quite often we think about things like porridge as being a fantastic breakfast. They can be, but unless you're pairing it with some fat and some protein, so maybe, you know, an additional scoop of protein powder in there or a massive dollop of Greek yogurt, as well as maybe a bit of nut butter, you're going to find that something like porridge alone, just made up with milk and putting some sugar on top is actually just going to lead you to quite an early early glucose spike and definitely unless you ate like the hugest gigantic giganticest bowl of porridge you're not going to hit your protein through porridge 
And then just as a reference, like something like whole wheat pasta at around 50 grams, you're only going to get 2.5 grams of protein. So yes, it adds, and it may be the thing that slips you above your threshold, but it's not going to do it through eating a huge quantity of whole wheat pasta. You're going to have to think of a better primary protein source. Whole wheat egg noodles are a beautiful surprise. They're around seven grams of protein per like little 50 gram nest. So again, because they're made with egg, you're going to get a little bit more protein from them. And then when you're thinking about nuts or nut butters, again, I know I say it in the video that you guys have hopefully already watched, but you're really getting nuts as a primary fat source because there is only five grams of protein sort of in a serving that's likely to help you move towards your body composition goal because nuts are fantastic. But we know again that they are a fat source. So they're going to be a little bit more energy dense. And when you start to portion out nuts, and I don't really want you measuring things, but just using like an egg cup, fill it up with some almonds. That's probably around 25 grams. And when you start to realize that you're like, oh, okay, wow. So you're not going to be eating like a hundred grams of nuts to kind of hit 20 grams of protein. It's just not going to be probably compatible um, with your body composition goal. And it might kind of, I think people can definitely overeat on things like nuts. So actually using like a little egg cup, just to kind of give you a notion of what a portion looks like can be quite a good idea if not a little bit depressing the first time you do it. So these things are just readily available high protein snacks. <clears throat> and I'm not saying that any of these are like golden, wondrous health foods. I'm not saying that a protein bar isn't massively processed and doesn't, you know, if you look at the ingredients list, it's probably going to make your hair stand on end. Do I personally have a protein bar every now and again? Yes, I do. I do because I have um, a goal around my body composition and sometimes I fancy something like a chocolate bar, but I'm out and about. I'm also a bit hungry and a protein bar just sort of scratches the itch. Some of them are definitely better than others. I do give you guys a link to Amazon where you can buy barbells, which is sort of a, a pretty good quality protein bar because again, not all protein bars are created equally, but it can be a really great way to feel like you're having a bit of a treat. If you cut it into like small segments, it can, you know, last for ages with a cup of tea. And it also on a sort of subconscious level, it again starts feeding this idea that you're somebody who eats protein bars, who actually is thinking about their body composition, who has this goal around you know, putting down some awesome lean metabolic muscle. So I sometimes don't feel like it is as incongruent going out and getting a protein bar. It still feels like a bit of a, you know, naughty, lovely treat, but it's not the same as just going and having like a dairy milk or something, which again is going to spike your blood sugars, make you maybe a little bit more hungry afterwards, and maybe not kind of vote for being the type of person who's thinking about that high protein snack. So a little bit psychological as well, but it's totally up to you. It may be that you are very dedicated to just eating whole foods that come out of the ground and resemble something, you know, your food resembles something that can be made or found in a garden. Definitely not a protein bar then for you, but I do personally use them, find them super helpful. Um, adding a scoop of protein powder, and you can get so many different types of protein powder. If you look at the nutritional label per scoop, I would be hoping that you're going to be um, getting something like 20 to 25 grams of protein for around 100 calories. Some of them are more like meal replacements. So be a little bit aware 
if you have a body composition goal and you kind of go on a, a bulking powder or a more like a meal replacement powder, you might find that you move yourself further away. So just be a little bit mindful of like how much energy exists in this per scoop. And most of them for around 100, 110 calories, you can get 20 to 30 grams of protein, which is awesome. I have linked for you guys my favorite brand. It's really personal. You definitely need to learn how to use it. I would definitely always say whizzing it up with some plant-based milk, um, adding in half a frozen banana, um, or at least some ice cubes just gives you such a good consistency. We're just shaking it in like a water bottle. It's not going to give you the same experience. You can also, when you're out and about, grab protein shakes now that have been already made. Um, so, you know, again, it's not what I want you to be doing every um, single time you're out and about having to buy these ready-made protein sources because they can be really expensive. But for me, I do daily have two scoops of protein, one at breakfast and one sort of mid-afternoon. If you do prefer things that naturally exist in the world, Greek yogurt's great because just 200 grams and you're going to get 20 grams of protein. You can also add amazingness to your Greek yogurt. So don't just have Greek yogurt, like add in some berries, get some, um, you know, all the amazing polyphenols that you're going to get from that. So like there's antioxidants, you know, add in some seeds, uh, just make sure that you're always thinking no matter what your snack is, could you make it better? Maybe you have a protein bar and a piece of fruit. Um, you know, maybe you're making a protein shake, but you're adding in some fruit. So again, it's just this notion that I am somebody who's always looking to make my snack or my meal as nourishing and as loving to my body as possible whilst lining up with my goals the majority of the time. So again, all of these things just help you keep voting in that right direction. Not all of these snack combination ideas are gonna get you hitting protein by any means. However, they are still gonna be delicious, nutritious snacks that are gonna stabilize your blood sugar. And you don't have to always hit your protein threshold. If you're having a breakfast, lunch and dinner with significant quantities of protein, might be that your snack is something just to tide you over to dinner time. Um, so here are my favorites. And these work pretty well with the kids as well, if you've got kids. So one tablespoon of peanut butter and some apple slices is going to bring home around four grams of protein. This is a big hitter. So anything like cottage cheese and um, a couple of cedar crackers, you're going to get about 24 grams. High protein yogurt, they come in pouches now, uh, is going to be about 20 grams of protein. Some of them are 25. There's also those high protein puddings that you can get in Aldi. They are not a whole food. Are they quite nice? Yes, they are. My favorite thing to do with them is actually, I've made some chia seed pudding. If I've got some Greek yogurt and I've got one of these high protein yogurts, or puddings in the fridge is to layer it up like a trifle, sprinkle it with some fresh berries, a few seeds. And again, it just feels like I have gone above and beyond to make an even more nutritious um, health snack for myself. So again, don't you don't just have to have the kind of um, chocolate protein mousse. It might be that with a bit of Greek yogurt, with some fresh raspberries on top, et cetera, et cetera. If you have half a pot of hummus and some carrot sticks, you're gonna get about eight grams of protein, couple of soy soaked eggs. So if you can get into batch cooking, super simple one is just to boil up some eggs to leave them in the fridge, soaking in some soy sauce. And again, you can look up like a quite easy, quick 
little soaking um, recipe for those lovely, almost like those tea stained eggs that you get in Wagamama's, really delicious. But if you pop a couple of soy soaked eggs with 100 grams of edamame beans, you're going to hit 21 grams of protein. If you've got 100 grams of prawns and then you mix together some sriracha mayo, you're going to get about 17 grams of protein. Those pre-cooked flavored chickens that you can get, so you know, they've got barbecue sauce on them or mango and lime. Obviously, they're going to be hugely um, high in their quantity of protein. So per 100 grams, around 30 grams of protein. And if you had 25 grams of nuts with some 0% Greek yogurt, you're going to get to about 26 grams of protein. A tablespoon of peanut butter on a high protein bagel comes in at 11 grams. Cream cheese, slice of smoked salmon on a high protein bagel, around 17 grams. A tin of flavored tuna on a protein bagel, 31 grams. Beef jerky is around 8.5 grams per 25 gram serving. The egg muffins in the recipe book, it's approximately an egg per muffin. So it's sort of six to seven grams of protein per muffin. Four rolls of ham, if you make some little cheddar sticks that go inside, going to be around 24 grams of protein. And 30 grams of cheddar on two cedar crackers is around 10 grams of protein. So they don't all hit your threshold, but they do keep you satiated. They are going to prevent you having a massive blood sugar spike. So these are just some ideas. The whole idea of you working with me is that you are finding protein sources that you like, you're incorporating them into your diet in quantities that enable you to nudge towards having higher levels of protein in your diet to help support your body composition goals and to help you make better choices. Because when you start stabilizing your blood sugars, you might find just as a very lovely side effect that you stop getting this hankering after very high sugary treats kind of mid afternoon or in the evening. Um, I'm just popping it out there. But what I'd like you guys to do is try to hit your protein consistently, or certainly just try to start nudging towards the protein um, threshold, at least for two meals a day, kind of as a minimum. Uh, Don't obviously become obsessive about it. And this is about small mindful changes. I'm going to decide what the next webinar is, but I hope this has been helpful. I really hope I've recorded it. And I will look forward to catching up with you guys soon. So now I just need to do the magic thing, which always feels particularly hard, which is to stop video. All right, guys, take care.